Blog Talk Radio. Well, praise the Lord. This is Sunday morning in the Word, where we study the Word of God systematically. I'm LeVon Breland. I'm on with you live today, and we are embarking upon a new series today. Um, well, actually, we're advancing our current teaching for the year, which is um, the overcoming way. We started with overcoming way through theology, and then we moved all the way to overcoming sin, overcoming the world, and overcoming by faith. So we're still in overcoming the world, and we have a lot to cover in that particular teaching. I can't see. Waiting for Okay, good. Amen. And so I'm going to do a healthy review because in this, in last week we did a two-part, or the last two weeks we did a two-part series called the Acts Revelation, the Acts Revelation, which is awakening the church to the times and seasons, awakening the church to the times and seasons. The Acts Revelation is a revelation to let us know what should we be doing now as the church. There is a difference, and I would encourage you to give the last two weeks the very fiery and very systematic, give us some clear answers. Today I'm going to um, begin the new division of teaching, define what Swiss means, and um, um, give a healthy, healthy review so we can advance in this division of teaching for the next three parts, and then go into another in-depth study in warfare. We're going to be um, for a couple of, maybe about a month or so in spiritual warfare. So um, if you've never taken a spiritual warfare course, uh, this is a good way to get started, amen? Um, but so join me because I I not only give the uh, uh, antidote, um, or I not only give just my suggestions, but I give scriptures of what you can live by. And I tell you all the time that if you take notes in this, in this subject or in any of the subjects that are taught on the on the broadcast, and you write it down in one particular notebook, you'll have more information from this broadcast than you would a year, even a month, even a week in in your local congregation and churches because they're not studying the words like this. Praise the Lord. But um, prayerfully they will. <laughs> but uh, we're going a little deeper. So. Join us on this journey, and this is a challenge for the church also, uh, a positive challenge for us to really advance. Amen? So I have been keeping up with my notes, and I've been enjoying this process as well, and I pray that you will too. Let's not further delay. Let's pray and get right into today's lesson. Father, we thank you and praise you for this day, knowing that this is the day that you have made me rejoice and are glad. We do thank you for the Holy Spirit, and we thank you that the Holy Spirit has been sent to lead and guide us into the all truth. So we need to depend on the Holy Spirit as an educator and guide to give me clear articulation of speech and deliberation of thought as I make manifold known the wisdom of God. Holy Spirit, I say, have your way. Do what only you can do. Anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And Father, and everything that shall be accomplished and revealed, you be glorified, for it is in the name of the Lord Jesus that we be praise you and give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are talking about the overcoming way, and it is our goal to affirm the pursuit of knowing God more intimately 
so that we can serve him more faithfully, to awaken core values and establish our convictions and advantage that we have as a result of, of the advantages uh, through God's word and, and, and through accepting God's word as final authority. It's also to answer systematically the value of having a theology uh, based on us having an overcoming advantage in life. So we've done that by defining our overcoming uh, self theologically, learning God's logic behind overcoming. He that overcomes. This is the victory that we have uh, through faith. We overcome the world. And so we talked about the different forms of things that we overcome in the scripture, the word overcome. And the scripture is used 30 times in the Bible, eight times in the Old Testament, 20 times in the New Testament, most used in Revelation, 11 times in First John. Of course, it's used five times in the context of overcoming. It's a discipline involving a reflection on faith and beliefs in light of the Christian advantage and the importance of us establishing our convictions, um, commitments, and character around those discovered reflections. What? We are overcomers. We are not of this world. Greater is he that is within us than he that's within the world. You know, I'm going to do a series on Thursday, just a little mini-series on we call we the people of God. Because I think we have lost what it means to be the church. And we need to strengthen what it means to be the church. But we are a peculiar people. We are a holy nation. Amen. And we've been called out of darkness into the marvelous light. We're going to talk about that in another series, but I think it's appropriate that we understand those things. Well, let's review. We've broken down this teaching of overcoming not only in theology, theological terms, and we talked about how we, we, we seek to find out God's mindset or his ideas about how we should govern ourselves. That's what theology does. It's not a big word, but it's a word that's going to define how we find out God's mindset on a matter. Amen. It's the God logic. All right? And in doing that, we not only learn how to do that properly and to go through a process, but we also said that we needed to overcome in certain areas, overcoming sins, overcoming the world, and overcoming through faith. And we are, we are in overcoming the world uh, of Division Two, part of uh, Series 2, uh, uh, um, the first one being steps, the second one now being Swiss. All right, so let's 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 begin by a healthy review. What did we learn in overcoming sins? One, we answer what sin was. We said that sin separates us from God. It sabotages righteousness. It sensationalizes a perverted reality. It seeks secular approval, um, and it succeeds by default. It's, 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 it's anti-God. In all in all manners, it's the things that we choose to do opposite of God's plan, and everything that works in sin leads to death. And and the the key uh, to overcoming sin is really knowing that God has given you power. But anyway, we're going to talk a little bit about that today again. But overcoming sin, you need to refer to Romans four eight, Romans five ten through twenty, Romans six eleven through twenty three, Galatians. Um, 1, 3 through 5, and Ephesians 2, 1 through 7, to get those, uh, to get those uh, concepts behind that. That's, that gives you the roadmap as to how you overcome sin. Those are the scriptures. Romans 4, 8, Romans 5, 10, 11, Galatians um, 1, 3 through 5, 
and Ephesians chapter 2. We also found out that God's solvent for sin was redemption. Sin was created, uh, sin was the reason why redemption was created. Christ carried the cure all for sin. Yes, he did. And thank God for Jesus. Christ is not Jesus' last name, but the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the anointing which he carried to cure us from our sins. Amen? And so in that, but for believers, even though we miss the mark, sin is not imputed to judgment for us. Thanks be to God. Why? Because he is a holy God that cannot look on sin. And Jesus died for the sins of the world. Why? So when, when we accept and confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, we are saved. Saved from what? We're saved from our sin. We're saved from our sin. We're saved from that which causes us to separate spiritually from God. And the separation from God spiritually is death in his, in, his, in his connotation. So in this, we have victory. We have victory over sin. Why? Because if Jesus raised from the dead, we are raised with him, right? Because we died with him. We died with him. He died there of the world. So when we accept Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, it's important that we know that one of the, the greatest aspects of that deliverance, that great deliverance, which is salvation. Salvation is deliverance. Deliverance being set free from sin so that we can serve God acceptably and live a life of abundance. But that life that is provided is, 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 uh, it causes a, a, a factor for the believers that the world doesn't have. And that is when God sees that we mess up and make errors and mistakes, he doesn't see our mistakes. The love that was embedded in his son and the love that caused his son to die for our sins are, are, are revealed through his blood shed. So when, G, when we miss the mark, God sees the blood. He sees the blood of or the sacrifice that Jesus made. And he says, I will not impute it against them. We have forgiveness of sin, even the forgiveness of sin. And, 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 and believe it or not, those that are in the world, they do not have the forgiveness of sin. They need the forgiveness of sin. That's why anybody that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he wished that none would perish, but all would come into independence, and they would change the way they think. And part of changing the way they think is overcoming sin. Amen? That's what we did in overcoming sin. We found out God saw it for sin which was that God would, uh, God used with the way of redemption. And in redemption, Christ became the cure-all, and when we believe, it was not imputed unto us. All right? We answered also what uh, sin had to do with the law, because, because we see in the Scripture, sin is often compared with the law. None is righteous by the law because all come against the law. The law was inserted for sin's sake to show the people that they are sinning, glory to God. But, but the law was a schoolmaster. It was only a, a, a means to an end, amen, but it was not the end. So here we answer that, that laws are set to shape the manners of lives of the people that it governs, that it's set, to, uh, uh, it's set as an alternative of order. But the, uh, the order of the law was ultimately subverted through corruption. And then it is to standardize evil in reality. That's what we learned in, in the law. 
because we need to understand when Jesus said Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us, because curse is every man that hangs on the tree. What was he doing? He was becoming a curse for the sins that the laws created because the laws reminded people of sin and they continued to sin. But when they look at Christ, they want repentance. Repentance is the preparing the way of the Lord to change the way we think. When we change the way we think and we look on the Christ, look on the Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, we don't want to sin anymore. We don't want to continue to practice the things that shape the manners of lives that govern itself outside of God. We don't want to have an alternative to the corrupt, um, to the world through corruption. And we definitely don't want to standardize sin in our reality. Why? We love God. And we know that God is still an all-holy God that cannot look on sin. Amen. So that has to be resolved and embedded in your view and your bent when it comes to you being an overcomer. If you overcome the world, you overcome the world through faith. And we'll deal with that because we want to deal with the reality of faith in, in a way that I don't think has been taught, uh, um, for me at least, you know. But we want to deal and expand our appreciation for the process of faith and the life of faith. Amen? But we got time for that. We'll do that later in the year in our conclusion of this, of this series. Here we learn that the solvent ultimately for overcoming sin is that we advance our nature by being led by the Holy Spirit, and his way of truth reveals the power of obedience, the power of obedience, obeying God. And so this, this is not a popular subject, but it's a relevant subject because we need to learn to obey God. Amen. And so we dealt in the second part, in the second and third part of overcoming sin of, of obedience. And we said that obedience is a, uh, a compliance to authorized orders, adapt, adapting our human behavior and yielding one's personality to that order. And we said that we must obey from the heart. We must obey knowing toward, uh, um, to knowing the doctrine of Christ or the teachings of Christ, and we must have obedience unto righteousness. Obedience unto righteousness means at the end of the day, we're going to go to God's way. At the end of the day, we're going to go to God's way. So that's, that's division one. In division two, we begin overcoming the world. And I gave a long, long dissertation in part one of division two of uh, First John. Matter of fact, let's go there um, for today. Amen. Hallelujah. It's a good review, but sometimes it's necessary to uh, to look at some things. Uh, John really gives us the theology of overcoming. For those of you who are scholars, you ever want to know what it means to overcome? Look at that division, the uh, the Epistle of John, First Epistle of John. And um, he really gives us a, a great idea of what it will take to be saved um, or delivered or, or experiencing the God kind of life. And let's go to verse 2 uh, of Second John. Really, we don't have time to read all the way to 19, but you can write 2 to 19. And I'll look through the passage just to kind of highlight some things. Amen. It's a study in the word. And... um. It's good. It says, listen, let's follow it back verse one. My little children, these things write out unto you that, that you sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. 
and he is a propitiation or stand in between for our sins, but not for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby do we know that we know him that we keep his commandments. See, this is what what I've just been explaining, revealed in the scriptures, right? Now it says that hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. If we say, I know him, and keep him not his commandments, we are lying. The truth is not in us. But whosoever keepeth his words in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. And he that saith he abide in him ought to also himself walk even as he walked. Now go to um, verse 15. It says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all things that are in the world are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. It is not of the Father, but of this world. And the world passeth away. And this lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So here it, it defines our life. And it's not just defining our life, but it says we are uh, we, um, we are identifying exactly what the world is. And, of course, the world is not the earth. That's what we resolve, is that the world was not the earth. It was a system established outside of God's will. Okay? So the world is not the earth, but a system established outside of God's will, not to please God. It's not said to please God. It's said to do all types of stuff but please God. So the world is not of God in any form. Amen. And so we're not to we're not to conform to the ways of the world, Romans twelve, two. But we ought to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And that's of course the transformation of the mind. Uh uh causes uh, provides proof of what is good and acceptable according to the perfect will of God. Now when we identify what the world is, that it's a system uh, that is established outside of God's of God's plan and God's and and and, and God's rule, we also learn that we need to resolve from separating from God's authority or God's sovereignty. God has a way of ruling and reigning, and that's His sovereignty, ruling and reigning. And He empowered us to advance from that source of world creation. The source of world creation and corruption is Satan. Okay? And Satan is the source of corruption. The scripture introduced him as, as a, a demonic source, right? And Satan seeks control. That's what that's what we were emphasizing in the last thing. Not only does sin, but Satan also seeks control. He's a source of world corruption and power to disobedience and iniquity. Satan seeks control. Second Corinthians eleven four, fourteen says he disguises himself as an angel of light. First Peter says Satan seeks whom he may devour. Second Corinthians four four says Satan is the god of this world. First John five nineteen tells us also that Satan is the god of this world. And then Luke eight um eight twelve says Satan attempts to take away the word from people's hearts. Romans sixteen twenty says Satan is defeated. But if we don't know it, he will defeat us. And we need to understand that he is the God of this world, seeking whom we may devour. Don't be devoured by Satan. But the only way you're not going to be devoured by Satan is to learn what he does and to learn how he is empowered in advance. And that's what we learned 
in, in the last lesson that we were talking about, we learned that he seeks um, whom he may devour. He sets you in his system. He starves you from your spirit, man. He separates you from God's love. He stops. He tries to stop God's agenda from you, even though he can't. He can't unless you give him control. And so what we've done is we have cartooned satanic authority and satanic rule. And we've made a, 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 a little red, a red little cartoon with antlers um, a depiction of Satan when Satan is really described as a beautiful creature in the Bible. And, and, it's, and it's a form of godliness. Amen? So in that system also we learn our authority is empowered through knowing our authority in Christ, knowing who we are in Christ. Right? And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. But in that we we answer that we must study the word of God, submit to God, stay out of sin, be sensitive to the spirit, and also step up to the plate in, in, in that. Amen. Now, we affirmed our salvation, and we answered also what the world seeks to do, and we awaken this thing called sanctification. Because sanctification, those those terms really prepare us Consistent of uh, spiritual warfare, which I call systemic warfare. All right. Now, when when we look up the word sanctification, sanctification. Let me give you the definition that I gave for sanctification. Amen. We got so many um, notes here. Praise the Lord. Sanctification is an overt display of our obedience to God. Okay. It's embodying like-minded virtues that empower godly conviction and character and, and um, conduct, okay? So it's an overt display of our obedience to God. Sanctify the Lord God in our hearts, but we also sanctify, we are, we, we are gathered through sanctification, amen? And, of course, we said that, that these, these um, we have to define sanctification, and then we also have to defend it. How do we defend it? How do we defend sanctification? Are you ready for today's notes? Because we're going to deal with how this leads into systemic warfare. Amen? So we defend it by affirming our conversion to the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit changes us. The Holy Spirit is sent to lead and guide us into the truth. We, 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 we um, connect to superior truth. We have clarity to godliness. Um, in conduct, and then we change through our fruitfulness and faithfulness. Then we have conduct established in righteousness. We resolve to be straight. Um, we resolve to live a straight and there. We reign in our redemption, and we resolve to live right before God. Okay? Then we, we have character built through faith. Amen. We experience the supernatural. We exercise um, and exist in the, um, um, exercise our righteous resolves and reality. And then we exist in the nature of God. We learn what God's nature is, God's pattern, God's intent behind his content, God's nature. We learn to live that way. We exist in that nature, all right? And then we have compassion for the world. And in compassion for the world, we um, have a conviction to see the change of change that God brings to the lives of people. We have a commitment to display godly character, and we 
we we we set up a venture to convert um uh, to conversations that um that pin us to the great lake. I mean, we engage in the culture of evangelism. We go after, we seek and save those that which are lost. It's like our Lord and Savior Jesus commanded to us. So our first point for tonight, and we only have three, um, and that is to establish an understanding. First of all, we have to always establish an understanding, right? And all of our giving, we ought to get what? An understanding. We need to understand who we are, what we have, and what we can do. Who we are. We are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We can, what we have, we can do. Uh, we have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness in the knowledge of Him and what we can do. We can do all things through Christ that strengthen us. Did y'all get that? Let me say it again. Who we are. We are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We have what it takes to, to bring the change necessarily to the world. What do we have? We have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness in the knowledge of him who called us to glory and virtue. Amen. That's in Colossians, right? And then we can, Philippians says, we can, what we can do, we can do all things through Christ that gives us the strength. We have to have an understanding of who we are what we have, and what we can do. Amen. I want to introduce this topic as SWIFT. You, you may ask what SWIFT is, and you know I give an acronym to a load of work. It's systemic warfare and it's supernatural solving. Learning what, what we're battling against and what we do about it. And the only way we can do that is what we have to Engage. Not only we have to, not only do we have to get an understanding of who we are, what we have, what we can do. We need to also engage the shift through empowering the system. Okay. Now we're going to talk about these things throughout the lesson. But what is this shift? We're shifting from secular living to sanctification. We're shifting from shifting. S H I F T. Okay, because I know my country accent kind of makes it sound like something else, praise the Lord. But we are shifting from sin to salvation, and we're also shifting from being sensual to spirit-led. And what will spark these shifts? Scriptural competency. Thinking with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Securing our real-life giftings. Sticking to our standards and then sanctifying God in our hearts. Again, I, and I emphasize sanctification twice in that. But Swiss, W S I S W S W I S S, is systematic warfare and is spiritual solvent. That's what I want to talk about. Now, we got the end. Um, understanding, we have to establish an understanding of who we are, what we have, what we can do. We have to embrace the shift, right? And the shift from uh, sin to salvation, secular living to sanctification, and sense of um, the shift from being sensual to um, being led by the spirit or spirit led. And we spot this shift from scriptural. Competency, thinking with the Holy Spirit, secular real life, uh, 
securing secular, uh, securing realized gifting, sticking to our standards, and sanctifying God in our hearts. Those things are what spark us. Now let's go to First John chapter four. Amen. Before we get right into our second point, glory to God. Let me see my time. All right, we're trekking good. We got a few minutes to really start this Swiss project. And have you, how many of you ever seen a Swiss knife? You know, a, you know, Swiss knife is really. Uh, it looks odd. It's like a big, thick um, uh, device with various components on it, and you pull out different things, and it's really practical. You know, um, so there's Swiss Army knives and stuff. There's glass cutters in them, nail filers in them, and a little sharp hook one, so you can, you know, if you're out camping or something like that. Well, really, it's a, it's a, it's a, a, a it's a, it's a sword with many uh, different, you know, the scripture says two-edged sword. The word of God is ultimately a two-edged sword, dividing us from the soul from the spirit. But it's a, it's a, it's wonder, it's kind in one device, but it has many facets to it. And when you engage in what we call spiritual warfare, it's, it's, it's really one, one, one process, but it has many facets to it. And we need to define what that, those facets are. And, and know that we have been given authority to really be superior so that way we won't get so um, shaken by things that are going on in the world. Amen. And we have to define what spiritual warfare is. So that's why um, we're answering this uh, through this Swiss, this Swiss strategy. Amen. But let's go to First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. All right. Interesting uh, pattern to John's theology here. Of course, he tells us to love, uh, to love not. We read in chapter two. Well, in chapter one, he introduces us to walking in the light. Right? Then he tells us about uh, ridding ourselves of our sins and obeying God's commandment, loving one another, loving not the world, uh, the spirit of Antichrist. And he talks about remaining pure, so he's still dealing with sin. He talks about practicing righteousness. Um, and then um, he talks about loving God in deed and in truth, displaying God's love by what you do. And then he introduces another concept here in chapter 4, verses 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because there are many false, false prophets that are going into the world. And hereby we know the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. But every spirit that confesses not Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of antichrist or against Christ. Wherefore, ye have heard that it should come, that even now, um, even now already it is in the world. Ye are God, little children, and have and have overcome them because greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. They are of the world, therefore speak of they speak of the world, but they uh, but the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth uh, knoweth God heareth us. He that knoweth not God heareth not us. Hereby we know the spirit of truth from the spirit of error. Then it gets into the love of God as well as victory over the world. 
whatsoever is born over God, um, in, in chapter 5, verse 4, it says, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Whoever, um, he, who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. All right, and that's, and that's, very, that's very loaded there. But here, he introduces us to this, this concept of there, there being uh, a diversity of spirits. Believe not every spirit, but try the spirit by the spirit. Why? Because there are false prophets that are going into the world. What are false prophets? False messengers. There's a false message out there that's being conveyed that's denying Jesus or not denying Christ or denying the power and the authority that Christ brings. So this is what engages us into systemic warfare. Why? It's already the world, well, the scripture in chapter 2, go back to chapter 2 in First um, John and verse 15. It says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, if the... Um, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passeth away in the lust thereof. But him that doeth the will of God abides forever. So here we know that the world has is anti-God. Okay? And not only is that, there are messengers being sent. Now, we are in the world. Although we are in the world, we are not of the world. There are messengers sent to distort the messages that we that that sustain us from the world, and that's the warfare. Okay, so so uh, when we talk about this, it is God's it is God's will for us to be delivered from the present world, because remember I told you that the world is not the earth but the system that is set up, established outside of God's will. Now, let's go to Galatians chapter 1. All right? And then we'll get into our second or our third point for the night, which is to embrace the power game. Embrace the power game. All right? And um, for this morning, glory to God. Got a few minutes left. So let's go to Galatians chapter 1 real quick. This is... Fun for me. We're getting understanding on on what spiritual warfare is all about because you know we got a whole lot of ideas out there, a lot of hocus pocus going on, and it's not God. We need to know what the world is. We need to understand what Christ has redeemed us from. He has re- and 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 Christ has set us free. But He told us, believe not every spirit. So we have to understand. There's a, there's spirits. Um, spirits, of course, are. In that connotation, and let me say this, you got to always define the words that you study. It's in defining a thing that you can defend it. You can't defend anything that you can't define. Amen? Because you don't know what it is if you can't define it. Now, in Galatians chapter 1, let's, let's read what the scripture says. Okay. Let me first of all get to the right. Book, so excited. I just can't hide it. All right. And let's look at this. And of course, I love Galatians. I taught on that. It says, Grace and peace. Let me see where I want to. 
Okay. That's good. Uh, grace and peace be unto you, verse 3. Grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world. Okay? And um, if you have a good Bible, it'll tell you um, Acts 9, 6. And let's go there right quick. Amen. It will refer you to what what it's talking about. Amen. And I'm doing old school today. I don't have my tablet with all the you know scriptures marked out. Um, with this one, I'm going old school. But it says um, in nine six, and it's trembling, um, a trembling and astonishing. Said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city. And it shall be told what God must do. And of course, this is Saul, so it's talking about going into the world. But um, what the scriptures is letting you know is the world is that system of belief outside of God. What was what was Paul a defender of? A system of belief outside of God's will. The Pharisees were um, persecuting the church. All right. Now, but it says, deliver us from this present world according to the will of God and our Father to to whom be glory and forever and forever. So we know that the, the purpose of establishing systemic warfare is so that um, because it is God's will for us to be delivered from this present evil world. Why is deliverance necessary for the will of God uh, to overcome the world? Number one, because of power. Because of power, all right? And, 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 and power has been established when it's established outside of God, it creates corruption, it cr- creates conformity and complacency. Corruption, conformity, and complacency, because it's out of the control of God. And the only way we can do that is is to be cleansed, converted, and and through the comfort of the Holy Spirit, um, uh, or really to conform to the to the ways of the Holy Spirit through conversion. All right. So then the Lord was telling me, we need to understand what power is all about. So now I want to talk about embracing the school of power and understanding what power is. Because, um, because we have, we, we talk about engaging spiritual warfare, but if you don't know that you have power and what powers are out there, you will, you will start um, playing what we'll call it hocus pocus. Playing hocus pocus, you know, you, you know, like the witch, uh, playing it's, it's witchcraft, really, but it's really exploring uh, and and you know, curiosity. That's a great great word to put out there. Curiosity, you know, curiosity kills the cat. Um, you can't be curious. God doesn't want you curious. He wants you led by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is sent to reveal the things that you need to know directly from the Lord Jesus. Amen. And so uh, uh, it's important that we understand the power of the power plays that we have. I call them power games, but it's power plays, understanding what power is. Note these scriptures, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 20, says that the kingdom of God is not in words, but it's in power. So we understand that the kingdom of God is not in words, but in power. Now, in Matthew 22, 29, error. This is what Jesus said, because they don't know the scriptures or the power of God. Okay? 
And then also in Luke 4, um, 36, it confirms that, that uh, thing. And, you know, of course, if it was in Matthew 22, it's in Luke 4, um, 36. Amen. And um, because of the synoptic doctors, things are repeated or emphasized, but they're pretty much uh, saying the same things. And all, uh, well, actually, you know, the people were amazed because he spake among them saying, what, what word is this? For what authority, uh, what authority and power he commanded the unclean spirits, and they come out, and they they feigned him and went into every place into the country round about. When Jesus operated in power, it was cast out. It was letting know why? Because the kingdom of God is not in word, but it's in power, and that power is expressed to competency of the scripture. You and if you don't know the scripture, you're going to error because you don't know the scripture. And you don't know the power of God, all right? And, um, and the power of God is in place. What is power? It's ability. It's ability, supernatural ability, supernatural ability expressed either on behalf of God or on behalf of another, okay? And so Luke 9, 1 um, and Luke ten nineteen tells us that God gave his disciples, those who developed a, a developed devotion toward God, he gave them power. Now let's go to Luke 10, 19. Amen. Two, 10, 19 says, Behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and to overcome all, um, all, all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you, notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That's what Jesus said. He saw, he saw Satan as a lightning fall from heaven, and as a result, he gave you power to overcome the to, to, a power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So that's what we have. We have power. Go to Ephesians 1.19. I love that one scripture as well. Ephesians 1.19. We're coming to a close, but we got to establish ourselves um, in, in the understanding of who we are, what we have, what we can do. And then we have to embrace the shift. And then I also wanted to conclude in, um, um, oh, actually, we have to uh, engage the shift, and we have to embrace the school of power because we need to know what this power is all about. All right, now Ephesians. There's a beautiful passage of the scripture that lets us know upon us of who we are, and you need to know who you are. You can't exercise power without understanding. And that's uh, uh, the key that we, we know these scriptures. And overcoming. Overcoming can only be achieved through power. All right? Now, in verse uh, 19, it says, well, verse 18, I love this one. This is where I get the theme for my church. But the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye might know the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory and the inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us or in us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand, in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, 
which is body, the fullness of him which filleth all in all. And it says, and you have he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times he walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit which now was in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversations, conduct, manner of life, and times past, and desires in the flesh and the other of the mind, and were made by nature children of wrath, even as other. But God, who was rich in mercy and his great love, which is also power, whereas in he loving, even we were dead in sins, have quickened, that's to get empowered us, together with Christ, and by grace all we say. Amen? Now, I got to close because we're almost out of time. We're actually out of time. I got to close there. Ephesians 6.12 also lets us know that we have power. And, of course, it gives us the arm of God. In Colossians chapter 1,